Okay, welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. And we're going to talk about this game against Arsenal. And to do that, as usual, we have the the two usual suspects that you would expect to talk about this with me. And first of all, we have Ray from YouTube channel City Fan TV. How are you doing, Ray? Hi, Mike. I'm doing very well. Very well indeed. We won a game of football the other day. So I'm always happy with uh, with that sort of uh, results. And we also have Twitter's press switch blue, but uh, to you and me, Mr. Colin Savage, he writes for King of the Kipax. Colin, how are you doing? Me? I'm doing great. End of lockdown could be in sight. So, you know, fantastic. What more could you ask for? City fans will be back in the stadium in the foreseeable well, okay, guys. So we're we're going to talk about this game against Arsenal. We've been playing all the big teams uh, recently. Obviously, you've got your Spurs, who were dispatched. Liverpool, who were dispatched. Everton, who were dispatched. And here came a, a new challenge. This is Arsenal, who've been um, getting quite a quite a bit of positive press before the game. Obviously, because of these young players they've got now, who are performing well for them, like Odegaard and uh, Saka. And um, Smith Rowe, Emil Smith Rowe, going to be an interesting challenge. And uh, uh, before we uh, get stuck in, let's take a look at, look at the lineup. So Arsenal uh, first, so they had Bert Leno and uh, Bellerin holding Pablo Marie, who City fans may remember from years ago. Kieran Tierney, uh, we might talk about him a little bit because he needs to get on an amateur theatrics course quite soon. Uh, El Nini, uh, Xhaka, Saka. Odegaard uh, started, uh, Nicolas Pepe and Aubameyang. All right, let's go to Manchester City. So this is interesting. Uh, we have Ederson and goal, Cancelo on the right this time, where many people feel he should be. We have uh, Stones and Diaz, the high-fiving brothers there at the back in uh, central defence, and Zinchenko on the left. This is a back four uh, lineup that a lot of people uh, favour at the moment. Bernardo Silva... Uh, Fernandinho, Gundogan, Mares, Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, the return of Kevin De Bruyne, and Sterling. And our substitutes were Zach Steffen, Kyle Walker on the bench, Laporte, Mendy, Rodri on the bench, uh, rested too, Foden rested as well, Gabriel Jesus, Aguero, and uh, Ferran Torres. Very gratifying to see the first choice back five in there. But, um, Colin, what did you think about Pep's choice for midfield? It's a squad game, isn't it? A little bit surprised to see Fernandinho there, but, you know, we've got to start rationing uh, the appearances of players like Rodri keeping fresh. Good to see Gundogan back, of course, and, and great to see Kevin De Bruyne back, though. I think we'll, we'll talk about later. He was a bit rusty, to put it mildly. And, of course, 
we're almost used to the um, the false nine and, and kind of the pre-match entertainment is working out which player it's actually going to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what did you think about that midfield uh, three, uh, Ray? Um, personally, well, you know me, I've been banging on since um, the last few weeks, especially on my channel, that I didn't want KDB to start once he came back because we've done so well without him. Uh, and it's a hard thing to say, but, you know, it's the same with Aguero. I don't want him to come back into the first team. I want him to be a super sub for, for quite a while because he's he's been out for so long. And KDB, I've, I've said many times, I wanted him to be a super sub in February. We've won eight, I think, eight games since KDB's out, been out. And, uh, you know, we've beaten some big teams. You beat, we've beaten Everton, beaten Spurs, beaten Liverpool. Uh, whilst um, KDB's been out, so we've and we've looked pretty solid, uh, a fantastic unit. And I just thought, leave KDB to uh, for a couple more games, uh, bring him on a sub, and don't don't change things around because it's been working so well. Up front, we had nominally anyway uh, Sterling on the left, uh, Mares on the right, and I think for this particular game, the false nine was supposed to be. Bernardo Silva, is that right? You can't, you, you you really can't pin down the City team, can you? Because everyone pops up all over the place. You mm-hmm. know, when you get uh, Cancelo arriving in the penalty area, or, or, you know, Rodri is the furthest player forward. Bernardo Silva's behind Fernandinho. And uh, I, I don't know if you saw uh, Jonathan Liu's column, whatever he's writing these days. Yes, he's talking about Cancelo. And he made the point, uh, certainly not the world's worst writer, certainly not compared to his pal, Delaney. And he made the point actually quite well that City pop up everywhere. City players pop up all over the field. It's total, hesitate to call it total football, but it is. You know, it's... Um, yeah, he was the false one. nine, you know. You, you, I think he was using Cancelo as, as the, the basis of his um, yeah. observations, wasn't he? Yeah. But, you know, as you say, who's the false nine? Bernardo can be up there, then he can be just in front of the back four and Kevin De Bruyne can be there and Gundogan can be there and, you know, even even Stones made a run into a, you know, shooting position, I think. Zinchenko is another one. Um, somehow it's all come together. And I don't know, it's almost more impressive than it was in, you know, the, the Centurion season the, and the treble season because it just is, you know, we're, we're doing it without Kevin De Bruyne. We're doing it without Aguero. David Silva's gone. Uh, Vincent Company's gone. Fernandinho is only a bit part player these days. Yet we're playing probably better than ever because I think finally, well, finally, but the whole really is greater than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. We've got no standout player, have we? There's really, it's been Gundogan who's been the standout player, but really, uh, you know, I, I, you, you look at it and you think no one's outstanding, you know, at a level that is, is crazily good to justify the run we've been on. People have been putting in good performances, but I don't think, you know, someone's going out and putting in nine and 10 out of 10 performance every single game. But several players are putting in extremely good performances. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a proper team game now. Colin, some people say that the insertion of KDB into the midfield, which previously, you know, would normally be sort of, or has normally been Rodri, Bernardo Silva, maybe Phil Foden in there sometimes, Gundogan, that the insertion of KDB into there kind of ruins it a little bit. Uh, is that a bit harsh? Yes, well, it's a little bit harsh. I was surprised he started. I thought maybe he'd get 30 minutes, 
20, 30 minutes at the end rather than 60 minutes at the start. But I don't think he's had the greatest season, even when he was fit. We've said this before, a, a Kevin De Bruyne at 70%, 60% is still better than the vast majority of other players at 100%. But, I, you know, I don't think he's had a vintage season by any stretch of the imagination. As you say, you know, with, with players like Foden in there, we've, we've looked really sharp with, with Rodri in there. You know, it's... um. It's KDB, isn't it? My only surprise was, uh, the thing that worries me, we, we once brought him back too early. Uh, mm. So that's why I'm a bit surprised he got 60 minutes from the start rather than 30 minutes at the end or 20 minutes. Yeah, Ray, you think you were saying pre-pod that uh, with um, Gundogan and people like uh, Foden, Rodri, Cancelo, Mares, the play in midfield is nicely stitched together on the basis of short quick incisive passing whereas i think you made the point that kdb is looking for the you know the long raking goal making passes and assists absolutely absolutely i mean we, we saw one uh, point where he put the ball in i think he put the, a good ball into the box there was no one there so mm. he's used to uh, people like aguero being there at the right place at the right time maybe david silvan uh, turning up and there was no one there and so he he, he can in in the past, blindly put balls in there for 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 the attacker uh, to, to 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 feed off, and there was there's no one there, uh, and he's looking for those long balls. And as I said, for the last two months, we've not generally been doing the long balls. It's been out to the wingers. We've seen um, Zinchenko and Foden and Sterling and Gundogan play pretty patterns on the edge of a box, short passes, sharp passes, quick one two. Um, you know, and, and we've got goals that way uh, with KDB. I think we lose some of that because, as, as you said, uh, we said, and we said earlier, he's looking for those killer passes. And I think that's why uh, when Colin said he's, he's, it's not been a vintage season, I think he's been looking and searching for uh, those killer passes a little bit too much. Um, and he has moments of magic in games. Uh, this is something I said last season about him. He's having moments of magic. In, and he might have three or four, maybe five moments of magic in a game, but he's not, for me, playing at a consistently high, exceptional level. He just shines because those moments of magic, as Colin says, they're better than some other players can do in a whole game. And and KDB can do that in three or four touches. Take note, Mr. Fernandez. Um, but you know, it's, it's true. You know, so I thought it slightly unbalanced as, uh, and as Colin said, I would have much rather he came, he came on for thirty minutes. Uh, at the end of the game, if we were, especially if we were comfortably ahead, we hadn't messed around too much, uh, and bring him in slowly and gently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin Savage, um, have you been impressed with uh, Arsenal recently? Um, a lot of people said that they were, you know, that kind of uh, Arteta had, uh, you know, got them um, humming nicely. Uh, what was your, what's your impression been? Well, I. Looking at Arsenal, I mean, when he first went there, they had this purple patch, didn't they? And when they looked really impressed, and you thought, oh, well, you know, they're on for top four. But um, they're very inconsistent. I mean, I'm just looking at their their season now. No, they started off the season really well. Um, so I think they only lost in the Premier League. Just let me check. They won three out of the first four games in the Premier League. They won three out of the first, yeah, three out of the first four games. And then they only won one out of the next um, six, nine, nine, eight, nine, ten. Well, one out of the next ten. Then they went on a bit of a run. Five wins and a draw. Uh, sorry, five wins and two draws. Since then, they've lost three and uh, won one. 
I think their last 10 games in the league, they've won six, drawn two, lost two. Yeah. So they're very inconsistent, but I think one of the problems is Arteta wants to compare him a little bit to West Ham, where David Moyes has gone into West Ham. He's had players he didn't want, who didn't fit what he wanted to do. And gradually he's worked through those players. So he's now got a team of players that suit him. And West Ham are doing so much better for it. I think Arteta's trying to do the same thing at Arsenal. And, and, and it's quite nice to see, in some ways, that the younger players come through. Yeah, the Smith Rowe and um, Saka uh, and players that um, players like that. But it will take him time to get there. You know, mm-hmm. so they, they've been very inconsistent this season. But you know, a trip. Our record there is absolutely superb um, in, in the last few years. Uh, I'm just looking at our Premier League record, but it, it's a lo- long time since we... 2015, I think, we lost there in the league. Um, was that... I'm just trying to remember that game. Oh, yeah, that was a pretty miserable game. We, we played really, really badly. But, uh, you know, from, from the start of the Premier League, um, it took us, I don't know, 10 years to get a win there or something. Started in trying to work it out. I... I can't work it out properly, but um, I think we played. Uh, where are we now? Let me check. We played. No, my. Anyway, doesn't matter. My my app's playing up, but I, I think I worked out before we played something like 12, 14 games without a win against Arsenal home and away from from the start of the Premier League in ninety two, and uh, and since we we won in two thousand thirteen, but since two thousand fifteen. We we've never they've never beaten us apart from in the yeah. FA Cup semi final which they shouldn't have done and in uh, again in the FA Cup down there when we uh, last season when they wanted to um, win it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think both times they've beaten us in the semi final in the last few years they've gone on to win the trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, going into this game, of course, um, we got the news, uh, or you may have been watching it, that Leicester had won two one at Aston Villa. And uh, the day before, of course, um, our other, well, not really um, a rival anymore, certainly not this season, um, but um, Liverpool lost to Everton. <laughs> that was uh, extremely gratifying. Now, um, just um, before we talk about it just a little, uh, let me pop quiz uh, Ray here. Ray, uh, do you remember the Britney Spears hit, Hit Me Baby One More Time? Uh, that's a long time ago, Mike. Can, uh, well, here's the question. Did you, could you possibly hazard a guess at what year, in what year, that was a big hit? And it's relevant, of course, uh, to the... That Liverpool would have been Wolves. a big hit in about 2099 or 2000, 2001, around that time. Probably 1999. Well, it, it was this, in the same year, Colin, that um, Everton last beat Liverpool at Anfield. 93, was it? 1999 it was oh, 99. Uh, 19, of course, yeah. yeah 1999 um, uh, um and so yeah i remember that very well it was i just come back from japan it was my japan was my first job and i got a job in london so um as i was moving into this apartment in um holland park in kensington there Ooh. uh yeah i i i got this crazy deal because the the, the man who owned the house was in his 80s and um he rented out um, his, an apartment in, in, in one of his buildings there on um, 
in Holland Park, and uh, he just wasn't up with the times. He had he ever since he had made it available, he hadn't put the rent up in about twenty years, and I got it for four hundred quid a month. It was absolutely <laughs> it was unbelievable. That should really have been over over a thousand, but um, I I never forget it. Um, and um, Britney Spears' hit was the background to this because when I um I, I actually um found the uh, found the listing in a newspaper, went round there. And uh, I look, I'd already seen a few places in Kensington because the school was in Kensington and it's called the London School of English. And um, I'd, I'd already been around a few. I was not familiar with the scene and um, a lot of obviously some nice apartments, but they were well out of my price price range. And so I had made the appointment with them. So I thought I might as well go there anyway, you know, to um, honor the appointment. But I, I knew that I was not going to be able to afford it. And I asked him at the time, so how much is this? And he said 400. And I said, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, 400 a week. Um, it's not something that I can I can afford. Sorry to waste your time. And then he said, it's 400 a month, actually. And I went, you what? And so obviously I bit his hand off. And I was there for the first um, two years there. And by the time that, you know, uh, he eventually, unfortunately, passed away. And his daughters, I remember coming around to say that, that everyone would have to move out because they're putting the house on the market. By that time, I could actually, you know, afford to live in that area. And that's where I stayed there in that part of London for, what was it, six or seven years before I went went to South Korea. Uh, don't fall asleep, Ray. <laughs> but um, anyway, okay. So the background was that um, Liverpool lost to Everton for the first time in all those years. Did you see the game, uh, Colin? Uh, the Everton game, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw the second half. And um, what did you think? Well, um, I think maybe we did it put you in a celebratory mood. I mean, obviously, Everton. It, it was great to see, wasn't it? Um, you know, particularly Everton at Anfield, their, their own ground. Um, and I, I suppose it was a blessing that there were no fans in to watch that. But um, um, Everton, I don't know. Everton didn't don't strike me as a great team. But they're pretty solid defensively. Um, they, they don't have the ability to hold on to the ball particularly well, I don't think. Um, but but they, you know you've got players like um, Tom Davis and um, Gomez who who are um, terriers. Skills. They they put themselves about a bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're they're runners. Perhaps it's a bit, it's unfair to call them cloggers. But you mm-hmm. know they 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 aren't. They aren't artists with the ball by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Gomez looks a complete liability to me. Uh, Davis can play a little bit, but mm. um, so, so you knew you knew what it was going to be like, and 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 I think everyone's worked Liverpool out, haven't they? You know, give them give them the ball, um, sit back, stay narrow, uh, because they get the goals from Salah, Mane, Firmino running in behind. So if you play a high line, they'll kill you. And everyone's now worked out. That if you if you play deep, play play a deep block, keep it narrow, let the fullbacks ping balls into the box, you know, to the heart's content, and just make sure you've got numbers in there to pick them off. And and, and it's we're saying this that on Twitter, the Jurgen Klopp, you know, his tactics have worked very well. We I think we said this on the last pod. We struggle to deal with them. You know, we're as good a team as any, if not better. So, so you know, the the gegen pressing works really well. Say so we we have struggled with it, but uh, a it takes a toll on players, uh, and b 
eventually clubs work it out because it's the Premier League. You know, there's no duffers in the Premier League. You know, they're all you've got twenty, or, you know, twenty good managers in there usually, and mm. uh, and once one team works it out, everyone else works it out. I've always said that Liverpool don't like having the ball. You know, say their game is reliant on winning the ball from a team coming forward and getting that ball forward quickly. You know, yeah. so, so so Thiago in midfield for them is a complete waste of a talent because they don't play through midfield. So that, their mm. midfield is about winning the ball and getting it forward quickly. It's not about creating anything when they have to. And this is the great thing for me because Pep has reinvented us. When, when, when well, I hold my hands up, I doubted him and I questioned his ability, whether he had the fire and ability to do that. Uh, and as, as I say, we're playing probably better than ever. We don't need stars in there, although that's not to denigrate players like Gundogan and Sterling and Rodri and, uh, um, you know, Foden, who have all been excellent. But uh, Pep has you know, not only has he got a plan A, he's got a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. And sometimes that plan D is a bit ridiculous, but you can't see it with Klopp. You, can, you cannot see Klopp adapting his style in the same way that Pep has with us. Um, yeah, a rate. That, that's the, that's kind of the prevailing theory, Ray. That um, uh, Pep has basically learned to be a little bit more sporadic with the press, uh, be a little bit more restful. Um, yeah. Is that something you've picked up on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's certainly done that. I mean, he's, he's changed things around. We've we he persisted with Rodri, for example, as a, a defensive midfielder last season, and pushed Fernandinho into the uh, as a centre back when Laporte was injured. And I questioned that, and I said, you know, Fernandinho is far better in midfield. Um, so why put him in defence? And it was to let basically, I think part of the reason was to bed Rodri in. Now Rodri, we've seen this season start to flourish. I think last season he he struggled. Um, so Pep was changing. It around because Rodri is not the same kind of player as Fernandinho. So Pep has been a little bit, he, he might not say this, a bit more pragmatic, um, getting us a solid base. So we're not conceding uh, silly goals. Teams aren't generally running through us. And then we can start to to create. Um, and the thing with, with Klopp is, I was telling Colin before um, we started today, I did a video on my channel on the 15th of July last year. And it was a, it was a, uh, one of these meme videos with, you, you, you might remember them, the, the Spanish guy in an in interview laughing his head off. And in that video, um, you, you, go on, you can check these, there's loads of them out there. Uh, it, was, it was a legitimate interview, but the people obviously put the, their own text on it. And I had the interviewer asking, uh, you know, whether Liverpool would, would win um, the title the following season, this season. And uh, my man said, no, uh, uh, kick and rush football is dead. It's finished. Um, they'll win nothing. They'll think they're going to win everything and they'll win nothing. And I'd never have I been any more prophetic uh, than that. Uh, because, you know, as, as Colin said, you know, the, the teams played narrow um, and packed the box and Liverpool uh, struggled to score. They, they rely, as Colin has said already, on winning the ball high up the pitch and making teams pay for losing the ball when they're trying to play out. For instance, when you've got three or four uh, players trying to play out and Liverpool have got three men on you. And if you lose that ball then, you, you can end up with something like three against three. And that's extremely dangerous uh, with Liverpool's front um, 
trio. You want six against three when those guys are, are on the ball. So that they, they rely on that. So if, if you then permanently have five men at the back to stop them picking you off so easily uh, and, and pressurising you, you're going to be in, um, you know, you're going to have a much better chance. And that Thiago, for me, is just, uh, they, they've got Thiago for partly because he was cheap. He was dirt cheap at 20 million euros. Um, yes, he's a good player, but he, he doesn't fit their style. And, you know, Klopp, they, they've made plenty of mistakes. Yes, Liverpool fans will cry time and time again that they've got 18 different centre-back partnerships since Van Dijk's out, Gomez is out and Matip's out. But we made a similar mistake last season. We lost company and Laporte got injured. We didn't have the centre-back uh, backup, really, and we had to put Fernandinho there. Same with Liverpool. They've gone into the season with three senior centre-backs. That's it. Um, and, and Virgil van Dijk had played about 90-odd games. He played every single minute. So he, he's not a guy who gets injured. He got injured for the season. Um, and then the other guys got injured. And they've been playing with Fabinho initially uh, at the back. They caught with Fabinho uh, and uh, I think Nico Williams. I think that's the guy's name. Or Phillips at the back. Um, they, they caught with that. But then Fabinho got injured. So they, you know, they've, they've had games where they've had Henderson and Fabinho at the back. And then Fabinho was out and Henderson's at the back. Their midfield's been decimated. And as Colin said, they're, they're, they're about energy, work rate, get the ball, pass it to your forwards quickly. And now they've got nobody to do that. You know, they've out of their original midfield, they've only got Wijnaldum left. But but here's a funny thing. Uh, I'm going to finish on this. We, we hear so much, so much about Liverpool's injuries. That's what we people talk about time and time again. Liverpool got all these injuries to the three centre backs and to this player and the midfielders and, and everything else. But there's a funny thing. Okay, Liverpool played 25 league games this season. And I would suggest, and I'm right uh, in suggesting this, in nearly every game, they've had eight or nine of their first team have played. Um, for, for, for instance, Alisson's played 21 out of 25 games for Liverpool in the Premier League this season. Trent Alexander-Arnold has played 23. Um, um, Fabinho's played 18 games this season. Andrew Robertson has played every single league game this season. Wijnaldum's played every single league game this season. Henderson's played 21 out of 25. Um, let's have a look. And then the front three, Firmino's played every single game this season. Mane's played 22 out of 25. And Salah's played 24 out of 25. Basically, most of those players, are your, they're the first team players, nine of them, are your first team players. And they played... Every single one has played more than 20 games out of 25. The only one who's played fewer is Fabinho with 18. So this injury crisis, yes, they have had quite a few injuries, but it's not as big as they think. You know, people are saying. And and at the end of the day, they can argue that they've got three centre-backs out. But you can't, they never play three centre-backs. So, you know, nine players are playing every single game. It's just that they're playing their best midfielders as centre-back and they've weakened both positions. It's their own fault for not thinking and forward planning and getting a fourth centre-back uh, and, and in, in, in the window, finally, they bought cheap. You know, they bought, they got someone on loan and they bought someone from the uh, championship. Um, they were hoping to get by with cheap purchases and uh, hopefully they're going to come unstuck. All right, guys. Well, then, let's get into this. Otherwise, we're going to run afoul of the Trade Descriptions Act. Um, Arsenal nil, Manchester City 1 and uh, I hope uh, Colin you didn't um, 
decide to go to the loo or maybe um, uh, make a cup of tea uh, just at the beginning of this game because you'll have missed it. And uh, it was it, it there was a shot across the bows, of course, on on sixty seconds because um, Mares made a cross, skimmed off the head of holding, or skimmed off the head of holding. And it reached Sterling, and um, he kind of screwed up the attempted volley. Um, it was a half chance, but then I think it was 82 seconds, and Sterling put City ahead. Um, tell us about that one, Colin. Yeah, well, it was a somewhat unusual goal. Um, Morris had the ball put in a, a, well, a Kevin De Bruyne standard cross, and, and Sterling had got between the centre backs and a little five foot seven. Raheem Sterling against the five foot seven two. and a half, Colin. He five made that seven, uh, Sorry, sorry, Raheem. Um, <laughs> Don't lose half between... an inch, goal. Half an inch <laughs> is very important. Well, so I'm told. Yes, um, got in between the the, the big Arsenal centre backs, and uh, it was a wonderfully cushioned header. Uh, one of the things that has annoyed me about City <laughs> is that there's been a few occasions where we've had free headers, uh, and Rodri is is a particular culprit here. Uh, uh, and we've not got them on, even got them on target, or we've got them straight at the goalkeeper. But Sterling's are just wonderful, beautifully placed, and um, one, one nil. Um, yeah. And generally, when we go one up, um, you imagine we're going to go on to win. Although um, it, it was a bit, perhaps a bit of a closer run thing than, than we thought. But of course, he had another chance just a few minutes later, didn't he? And uh, yeah, so he really by... should have scored. The goalkeeper, um, yeah, it looks it looked like Sterling was on one, and that the goal, and then as Colin said, um, pass from De Bruyne. This is on the six minute mark, um, made its way through to Sterling, and he just went inside Bellerin, and made him look like a bit of a fool, and um, yeah, he it was a poked shot, and the goalkeeper saved. Well, uh, Ray, you were impressed by the start that Sterling made? He yeah. he looked like he was on one. It depends what you call impressed by. I'm glad he scored the goal. Impressed? Well, I think he could have done better with the first opportunity he had. And the one that he missed uh, after he had scored, to be honest, he should have done a lot better. He didn't You're want a to... very hard man to please, Ray. Yeah, I my, agree with Ray. My, I want our team to do well. I wanted to do better. The, the ball was there to shoot. He should have shot. And he dithered. He dithered with it. Um, uh, and he, and then instead of shooting when there was all of the goalie to be, he tried to pull it back and then try and go around the players. It, 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 I don't know why. You know, it just hits it first time. Hits it first time. If you watch I mean, you, the, the Everton game when Calvert Lewin had a chance like against Liverpool, he hits it first time. The goalie saved it, but you know he was in a similar position and he hits it first time. He's a striker. He's he's going for a goal. He's not going to mess about with just the goalie to be and a defender breathing down his neck. And Sterling was in a similar position. I think he should have done far, far better. He should have got a proper shot off. And and I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. Um, if we're playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League final and you only get two presentable chances, you've got to be sticking at least one of them away. You can't have, in Sterling's case, three good chances and only get one goal. You know, a second goal after five minutes, the game's over. You know, we can uh, take it easy. Um, and the longer you don't score, the more heart and hope you give to the opposition and the more they can come into the game. And the more, uh, some people said, lazy you can become yourself because yeah. the game's too easy. And I think we find that in the first half, towards the end of the first half, you know, 
um, Arsenal got back into the game a little bit simply because we weren't putting the game to bed. Well, it 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 was an interesting first uh, ten minutes. Um, I note here that the the Guardian are saying that um, uh, the Arsenal centre backs didn't know who to mark because De Bruyne, De Bruyne and particularly Bernardo Silva are going where they where they feel. Are go, you know they're choosing um, where you know buzzing around in in almost free roles, and um, the they didn't know who to mark. And of course. Um, there's probably Ray probably has a point about uh, profig- profligacy because um, um, the Guardian notes that um, by the time um, Mares took a shot deflected wide off Tierney, this was on the eighth minute, that City should have been four um, 0 up. Um, what other things strike you, Colin, about um, the first half there? Well, again, yeah, we started off like a rocket. We could have been three easily three up within the first fifteen minutes or something. And then we just seem to sit back and, and let Arsenal come at us. Um, we, we looked a bit lazy. I don't know. We looked a bit disorganised. It wasn't quite, didn't seem to be quite coming together. Um, it, it was almost as though we thought, oh, we've got this, we've got this game won. And it's something we've seen before. Uh, but I thought we'd eliminated from our game, to be honest. But um, yeah, it was, um, so it was almost like glad to get in 1-0 up because you knew, well, you knew, you hoped. Um, Pep was sorted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we by the... Like I was going to say, Matt, we were playing like a team that were 3-0 up. Yeah. That's how we were playing. We're, you know, it was a training ground exercise and it, it was too easy. It what The thing was, it, the game was too easy for us. And maybe that's the problem. Uh, Arsenal weren't really offering much at all. Uh, and we were um, very dominant. Uh, and then, you know, you can let your standards slip a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, certainly by the uh, half-hour mark, the City were in 70% up in, in terms of possession, but it wasn't really threatening possession, as the guys have uh, said. A couple of chances maybe for Arsenal, but they were very uh, very comfortably uh, dealt with, uh, you feel. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much, it looked like a, a little bit of a, a training game, an exercise in... Um, Energy conservation, Colin. Yes, it did. I mean, it it really did. Uh, I think I'd give Arsenal some credit because they were trying to make a game of it. Um, but I think we said before it was like one of those boxing matches, wasn't it? Where, you know, the boxer with the long reach has got the, the little guy, you know, his arm stretched out and he's got his arm against hand against the little guy's forehead who can't get near him. It, it was a little bit like that. But, you know, you only need one chance. And then, the, you know, the, the other team's back in the game. So, yeah, I, I, I think maybe we've been lulled into a bit of a false sense of security by, um, you know, the, the record we've had against Arsenal in the last uh, few seasons. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't... Um, after the start we'd had, it was a bit disappointing. Yeah. Um, one person who was, if there was anyone prominent... Um, I certainly was impressed with uh, Fernandinho Ray. Um, how did he look to you? Um, obviously, he was brought in to give Rodri a rest. Absolutely. Uh, look, he had a great game. I'm doing, we were doing our player ratings tonight. I think a lot of people give uh, Fernandinho the top rating. Uh, you know, I, I think what he, he, he's for me, I was watching him running around. He's got a little bit less pace than I think he used to have, but he's what, 35 years old. Um, but he, he's 
his skill, a lot of it is in his brain. He knows where to be. He's he's pretty much always in the right place at the right time, you know. And it's, he's not just um, opposition fans think he's just a, a dirty fouler breaking up play. He's not just that. He does a lot more than just break up the play uh, and do these niggly fouls. You know, he uh, slows te- he slows teams down legitimately as well. And and we've seen earlier in the season, you know, he he made a I can't remember the game now. He made a run, a game we won. He made a run. Where he'd give the ball and he, he um, got it back. He, he ended up going down the left wing to pass it to Ford and to score. Um, so, you know, he, he he does a lot more than people give him credit for. And I think he had a, a really good game. But on the other hand, I don't think Arsenal, Arsenal did okay, but they didn't do enough to put him under uh, tremendous pressure uh, for very long periods of time. Well, guys, that was your the, that was really your your first half. One observation I made that I thought was very very funny, and a lot of people on Twitter had noticed it too. Um, Pep seemed to be at one point micromanaging our, our backline as if they uh, needed it, and he was regularly, according to some of the journalists who were there, he was regularly uh, giving them an earful. And at one point, um, it seemed that Diaz had had a bit too much of this, and he turned around and gave Pep a real volley of invective and it was lovely to see actually a lot lovely to to hear about because um that's the sign of a player that's settled in well and um, feels confident of his position um colin do you think it'll he'll become captain in not a long time from now well i hope so yeah because um everything suggests and, and i was laughing at that but everything suggests he's he's a leader he's vocal uh i mean you know we don't want to fall into the liverpool trap of um Judging our players and how vocal they are, you know the, mm. the vocal league. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he looks the real deal, doesn't he? he looks uh, you know, really a, a leader, uh, and you know, for him to give Pep a bit of stick back, <laughs> he may have got his ass kicked in the dressing room. But I think <laughs> uh, you know, he's the player we've been looking for to replace Vincent Company. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to get Player of the Year, of course, because that'll. <laughs> Some of the pundits are talking uh, about Diaz. Uh, I've heard Gary Neville sing his praises, talking about play of the season. Um, I think Redknapp, Jim Redknapp has done it as well. So two or three people are coming out and talking him up for that accolade. But you're right, it's probably, it's probably going to go to uh, more Salah, isn't it? You know, City could win all four trophies. Mo Salah could get 25 league goals and he'll probably win the player of the season. It's it's just the way it happens. Yeah, it's gonna, okay, it's gonna be Van, It's going to be Van Dijk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, what, for those seven goals that uh, Aston Villa scored? Uh, <laughs> guys, into the second half, one thing that was very gratifying, um, uh, it looked like Bernardo Silva had been uh, taking lessons off from Fernandinho because... Um, uh, I remember Saka went th- went uh, through and got a little bit of um, daylight in front of him, and um, I, I shouldn't really be saying this, but it was like a lovely little cynical foul by uh, Bernardo. And uh, oh, if, yeah. you if you didn't, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't get a good view, you might have thought that was Fernandinho. Not that they resemble each other in in any way, but um, certainly the little the little check on Saka. Um, Resembled Fernandinho right down to a T, Colin. Uh, yeah, I mean that 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 foul by Bernardo. He had two nibbles at him, didn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was um, 
quite funny that it, it was uh-huh. definitely one out of Fernandinho. Yeah. Okay. So um, opening exchanges of the second half, uh, focusing on the on the first twenty minutes, Ray. Anything interesting in your notes? Uh, yeah, there's KDB chip after two minutes of the second half, uh, which he chipped wide. And I, in my notes, I said he needs to uh, take some lessons off Caroline Weir. If you remember <laughs> her wonderful chip against Man United last Chippy. week. Mrs. Chippy. Mrs. Chippy, that's it. A um, couple of minutes later, Sterling taken on holding. I think that, I think that was another chance. Um, there, I think sometimes I think Sterling tries to do too much. Um, and then, in my notes, I said Arsenal are getting stuck in. So they were, I wouldn't say leaving the, uh, the fourteen, but they were a, bit, they were a little bit more physical, uh, making their presence felt. Because I, I, in the first half, they didn't really lay a glove on us. And uh, I just think uh, maybe they'd been told, you know, get in their faces a little bit, be a little bit harder. Uh, and then after 55 minutes, uh, a decent shot from Gundogan. Um, but that was saved uh, by Bert Leno. Mm-hmm. And two minutes after that, uh, uh, Ray, the everyone was um, expecting a screamer from KDB, but he volleyed that one over the bar, you know. Um, yeah, the one he sliced. Yeah. Well, not sliced, he cuts across it so that it would go away from uh, the keeper towards the corner, but it, it just carried on going. It was not a bad shot, and it was a, it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. So Arsenal still hanging in there, um, Colin, and then there's a change. Um Kevin De Bruyne is uh, brought off and replaced by Gabriel Jesus. And um, I think that a lot of people were were thinking, well, we're not too sure about this, certainly based on his performance against um, uh, Everton. Um, Didn't really fill me with a lot of, uh, you know, optimism. What did you think about that change, Colin? Um, Yeah, I think I probably would have preferred to see Foden. Yeah. Um, but what, what, it's a difficult one with Gabby J, isn't it? I mean, what, what he does give us is energy. You know, and he's there, he's, he's all over the pitch. Um, but, you know, he's not doing so great in front of goal. Yeah. And uh, that's what he's there for as a striker. So um, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I, I just don't know. You know, is he going to be our first pe- Would he be our first tr- a choice striker for Guerrero was let go this summer. No, I, I really don't. Th- I really can't see it. Yeah, so, I think um, uh, after Aguero, I think Pep's choice is to have a strikerless formation. <clears throat> and Ray, at, at the top of the pod, we mentioned uh, very briefly Kieran Tierney. You know, on the 64th minute, Cancelo was booked um, for a foul on Tierney, but uh, replays uh, showed something a little bit interesting. Uh, did you Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. It was. It's play acting. It's trying to get uh, your opponent booked or worse, which is what happened. Ray, do and these Shallow... guys not? Do these guys that still do that, you know, get clattered on the leg and go down holding their head um, a little no, bit this... like Rivaldo? Uh, do they not? Do, do they not realise that we have instant replays, or, or does it yeah, just go out of their head? There's not. The, what, what's the punishment? Nothing's happened, so they, they can feign an injury and get away with it. No. I, at this moment, with all this talk about head injuries and, and concussion substitutes, I think Arsenal did use a concussion substitute, um, which allows City to use an extra substitute. Uh, it, it looked like it was it Rodolfo on the bench, or, or one of the coaches on the bench was very confused by this. He didn't really seem to know what was going on. And it had to be explained to somebody else. Um, but what happened was uh, Tini was in the air, uh, and Cancelo came in, and he was 
he was not really going to get there first. He went in the air and then he kind of pulled out. He kind of pulled out of his, his challenge um, and he brushed across Tierney's midriff with his arm. Um, but that was in, in his effort to, to avoid clattering him. Tierney went down holding his head and he, he was holding his head. And here's the thing. He didn't hit the ground and then hold his head because he got... You know, he, he, he got rattled on the floor. No, he was holding his head on his way down as if he was in pain, you know, as if he'd got clattered on his head. Now, you know, Conchella wouldn't have got sent off because uh, if the referee had thought that he did to me, he smacked him in the head, uh, he could have been sent off. But then he would have obviously utilised VAR and he would have seen that he was miles away. But what did what? what's the worst that Tini will get? No one saw it on the pitch. Uh, they were fooled by it. Um, and afterwards, no retrospective action. And this is the problem sometimes with refs. In the game against, uh, the Liverpool game against uh, Everton, there was an incident where Henderson uh, got injured um, and he was running away from, I forget who he was running away from, Dakure, and he had, uh, pulled a muscle. Uh, and Dakure was nowhere near him. Henderson screamed, went down, and from the referee's position, Dakuru was behind him, but he was several yards away. He, he was nowhere near him to touch him. And uh, Liverpool got free kick. So this is the problem with some of the refs. Some of the decision-making is poor. They're guessing. Um, and, the, yeah, was it John, John Moss in our game? He was totally guessing. It was a poor decision. But unless, I think um, it was Andy, is it Andy Hoyle from Accrington Stanley, if I'm right? He said... I think he's the owner of Accrington Stanley. He said, until you give people a three-game match ban, this will continue. And he's right. You know, Tierney should have got should should be now have a respect retrospective punishment of a three-match ban because holding his head in you know in in these times where we're concerned about head injuries is wrong. And it reminds you of the the, the incident in rugby a few years ago, and they had this bloodgate in a situation where a blood injury you can use an extra sub. And so somebody had gone on the pitch with um, fake blood capsule and they used a fake blood capsule to get <laughs> substituted so someone can come on and take a penalty um, to, to score some points and win the game. Uh, and they ended up with uh, Dean Richards, an ex-England player, who's uh, I think the general manager at the club, was it Saracens or wherever? He got banned for 18 months or two years or something. And the player involved, he got uh, uh, some sort of ban as well. Which was less because they felt that was he was pressured into it by uh, the club because you know you want to play for your club and you do sometimes whatever you can to get the, the chance. So you know it's it's totally out of order and and as I said they've got to start doing something. Ban players three games. You'll see how quickly that stops. Yeah, Colin. Um, I think it was about ten minutes later and you saw the dark side of Ederson. This is a very strange incident, wasn't it? So Cancelo tried a. Um, an ambitious uh, cross-field pass with the outside of his boot, and he mishit it, and it went high up in the air towards Ederson. So instead of picking it up, he tried a, this uh, volleyed clearance, and he sliced it straight out to El Nenny, about twenty-five yards out, and he he, he hit, hit it, and it, it was it was a couple of yards uh, wide. But it sort of reminded me a little bit about um, a goal we conceded to Liverpool. Uh, yes. Where he did the same thing and it was driven straight past him into the net. It was that was a weird moment, wasn't 
Yeah, it, well, it was a bit because, you know, we're normally so reliable. But um, Cancelo had a bit of a funny one because he had that shot at goal, which all he needed to do was hit it with his left foot. And he did this weird thing where he tried to bend it round with his right foot or something. Um, but, I mean, you know, you, you, you've got to uh, forgive Ed- Edison because he's just channeling his inner Alison Becker, isn't he? <laughs> Indeed. And uh, following that, Ray, um, this was Arsenal's pitch um, to get back in the game. Uh, Lacazette and the um, much-praised Emil Smith-Rowe came on for Nicolas Pepe and, and, and Odegaard. And um, do you felt... Did, uh, sorry? Didn't notice them. You didn't even notice them? No. Okay, <laughs> well, that, that sort of like... Um, um, uh, makes my next question red- redundant then because I was wondering if you thought that they made any difference. I think that we've had the answer to that. Um, okay, so we're now into the the, the final uh, 20 minutes of this game. Uh, yeah, I think it was also 80th minute, um, the chance by Cancelo. I think was that maybe the one that um, that uh, Colin was talking about? So he yeah. dummied, uh, dummied the centre-back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much all i have but um anything in the in those final 10 minutes plus uh, plus change ray um there's a, a couple of little things um yeah that cancello one he should have hit that with his left foot that was fr- very frustrating uh, very frustrating um sterling i've seen a few times where he tries to take on too many men there was a a time i think about the 83rd minute he tried to take on about six men he probably got past three or four of them and then he just he just kept on, you know, trying to score this wonder goal. And in I think it was the 92nd minute, I think it was a dirty foul on uh, by David Luiz on Ruben Diaz. Now, it, it, you know, if you remember earlier in the season, people were complaining about um, Harry Kane doing this tackle where a, a defender's up in the air and he'll come and run underneath him and into his legs, yeah. tip him over and go down. Uh, and get a free kick or a penalty or whatever. And people are complaining that, obviously, it's extremely dangerous. And what David Luiz did, I mean, come on, it's a 90-second minute. He looked at Diaz. The ball was there. Diaz was going up for it. And uh, Luiz just looked at him, basically kept his eyes on him, and just ran into him uh, and barged him in, in his chest, which uh, Diaz went down. You know, he looked in a bad way, but he was just winded. But that's just a dirty foul, and it's another one of those things that you know it is actually dangerous. You know why he's got? I think he got a booking for it, but he had no intention of going for the ball. It's to, it's deliberate. It's not just a deliberate foul. It's dangerous because you're knocking somebody who's actually in the air. Why are you doing that? Um, so you know, it's just one of those things that again, maybe I'm being harsh, but I'd like to see them punished a little bit more severely. Uh, what? Uh... Ray didn't mention uh, Colin was of a couple of minutes before that. Um, <clears throat> Gabby J on this one man counter attack, beating a couple of their players nicely. And then he seemed to be um, trying to better um, the skyer that he did in the previous game because he put one into orbit from 20 yards. I mean, it was. Um, it's, all, it's all right because that Mars rover is bringing it back. <laughs> But yeah, this this was like a you know a golf shot. It was unbelievable. It was so skied over the bar. It just shows you what kind of form that he's in at the minute. Obviously, we got um, uh, four minutes of extra time, seen out very comfortably, and that was it. 
one nil to City. Performance of champions, Ray. That's what that's what they do. They grind them out. Absolutely grinding out. Look, look you, you can't always play wonderful, uh, fast, free-flowing football and score a ton of goals. And Pep said that. You know, had it as it is for us to take and understand and accept. You know, we've scored fewer league goals this season than Manchester United. You know, um, I, I, I honestly, I well, don't take know. Take away the... penalties, we probably haven't. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, take away Bruno Fernandes' penalties, and uh, you know, the, the guy's just. Um, who <laughs> I was going to insult him there, but he, he, but he, I don't even know the last time that that would have ever happened because you know we've been a team that's been well known for scoring an absolute shed load of goals. Um, but it, as Pep's, Pep would say, it's, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we play the same number of games as them, and they've scored three more goals than us. Obviously, what's helping us is our defense has been rock solid again, and if. You know, that's the one thing to take away is no matter uh, how, you know, our attack was and not scoring and maybe not as smooth as ever, you know, defensively, we were pretty, pretty solid. And I think that's, you know, it's fantastic that in the first, was it three games of the season, we let in seven goals. And in the following 22 games, we've let in eight. Mm-hmm. Something like well, that. It might be the other way around. It might even be... In the first three games, we're letting eight, and then yeah, um, whatever. But it, it's it's a fantastic turnaround. Let's um, let's have a look at some factoids, and uh, we'll throw in a few pop quiz questions for the chaps. So, um, Arsenal have lost their last eight league games against Man City, and that's the joint longest run of consecutive league defeats against an opponent, uh, uh, beating. A an eight game run against Leeds between which years, Colin? Because this was really whenever you were in your pump. <laughs> um, bit of a difficult question, but it was a three year period in 70s. the seventh in the seventies, Colin. Seventy five to seventy seven. Okay, two to seventy four. Not far away. This was uh, between seventy three and seventy six. So an eight game run. Uh, against Leeds United, so a few more guys. So, um, so oh, probably most of those games as well. <laughs> uh, so Arsenal have now lost uh, their past four four Premier League games against City without scoring a goal, without scoring a goal, and this is the first time in their history they failed to score in four consecutive home league games against an opponent. So a lot of firsts here, guys. Now this uh, gives us an unbeaten run of twenty five games. In all competitions, that's one, 22 and drawn three. And this is our second longest run without defeat under Guardiola Ray. There was a longer one. Do you remember when that was? Was that when we, at the end of one season, start of the next? This, um, or is it all in one season? Between April and December 2017. Um, how many games did they go? Undefeated in that run. This is the only higher one than than the one we're on now. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Bingo. There you go. So <clears throat> this was our fifteenth clean sheet in the Premier League this season, and this is the most by a team after twenty-five uh, games of a top-flight campaign since two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. And now there were two teams um, that matched or better that bettered that. Can you name the teams? Chelsea. Chelsea matched it. They had 15, but there was one better. 
Can't be man, 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 man United. It was indeed. Can you kind of stab at how many clean sheets they managed? In 25 games? Yep. 17. Let's have your guess, Colin. It's more than that. I was going to say. 21. 19. Right in the middle, 19. 19. So 19 clean sheets by Man United 2008-2009 uh, season. Okay. Um, since the start of last season, no player has scored more away goals than Sterling in the Premier League. How many has he notched up? I'll let Colin since go. when? Since the start of last season. 14. Uh, higher, higher. He, well, he scored 20 goals last season. He's got about a dozen this season. I'll see. Away how goals. Many, sorry? Yeah. Away how, goals. How many? Just away goals, though. What was your number, Colin? I said 14. 18. Not far away there, Ray. 20 is the total. Oh. Um, away goals scored by uh, Sterling. And his, um, that, that total that he notched up is twice as many as their second highest away scorer in this period. Now, this is an interesting one. So the next person on the list... Um, has scored 10 away goals. Um, can you guess who that might be, ironically? Ilke Gundogan. No. It's <laughs> someone that you wouldn't associate with um, stunning consistency. You'd probably associate him more with being offside, Colin. Uh, Gabriel Jesus? Gabriel Jesus on 10. <laughs> okay. So here's another uh, a little fact here. Uh, Sterling is... Uh, the third player to score in three consecutive away games against Arsenal after a certain player um, in May 2009. A Frenchman. A city-playing Frenchman. Anelka. Anelka. That's right, yeah. Um, So he had uh, four games um, scoring in consecutive away games in... um, and that ended in May 2009. Mm-hmm. Okay. So final one. Final one. So City's opening goal um, in this game, they're logging it at 75 seconds, was the first time they've scored in the opening two minutes of a Premier League game uh, since December 2019, um, which was also away at Arsenal. After 89 seconds, who was the player? Aguero? Nope. Ray? Oh, sorry, I had my off. Uh, no. I know who it was, yes. Uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Scored after 89 seconds away at Arsenal. I was in there. December. KDB. Yep, got it. I was there. There you go. There you go. Well, so we're, we're done with that situation. Um, so, uh, Colin, let's uh, have a little bit of a look forward. Um, so our next game against uh, is against Borussia Mönchengladbach in... Budapest of all uh, places, um, because obviously games can't be played in Germany at the moment. Let me just uh, pick your brains about this, Colin. Um, So if you're a team in Europe and uh, your home leg was due to be played in Germany and it switched to a neutral venue, is is it a little bit unfair, do you think, that then you can play the second leg at, at at your own ground? Um, is there a, is there a cause for complaint there? Because the first game was in neutral ter- territory, and then well, the second I mean, fans, game is at one Fans aren't allowed in, are they? But right, as well, you see your home stadium as being, you know, having an advantage th- by playing at your actual stadium. Yeah, what do you think, Ray? Uh, anything is a slight disadvantage because obviously yep. you're not playing at home; you're having to do a, a trip. You know, yep. 
that that tripped from um uh, from from Gladbach to Budapest might be an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. So you've got an, you might end up with an extra three or four hours of travel time uh, and, and 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 all the bits and pieces. So it is a little bit of a disadvantage because you you know you, you both teams are having to travel and it feels like an away game wherever you are. Uh, yeah. You know, but it, it is what it is. As you know, Pep would say, you know, that's a situation where we're in right now, and teams have got to accept it. You know, what's glad what German teams are their alternative to um, to forfeit the tie? It's not going to yeah. happen. So you, yeah, in these times, you just got to go with the rules. Yeah. So this is interesting, guys. So München Gladbach, who, as we mentioned in the last pod, they're kind of seventh or eighth in the um, Bundesliga, and um, fairly six now. I, oh, I okay. Think- I think um, last time I looked, um, there was there were sixth. Um, yeah, right, they're eighth at the moment. Oh, they dropped uh-huh. down. Well, yeah. that was before the weekend, then. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, uh, lo- they lost at home to um, Mainz. Yeah, so pretty patchy form, and we mentioned, of course, that their manager Marcus Rosa has already agreed to um, go to Dortmund. Um, uh, do you feel that that sort of um, would have a negative impact on the team to know that their charismatic manager has been snaffled up by Dortmund. They're, they've announced it early. How does that impact the players, um, uh, Ray, in the final it's, games it's of the season? Gonna, it's going to impact them a little bit because, you know, uh, some of them will play even more for the manager because he's about to leave. And some of them who might have been on the periphery, on the fringes, might say, I'm not really that keen anymore. Uh, the problem, it, it, and I remember talking about this last week, because I said, you know, Dortmund and Union Berlin could uh, can leapfrog them and Freiburg are not far behind and all this. Gladbach now are, are at risk. I'm in the Champions League now, this season. They're at risk of not being in Europe next season. And, and in fact, you know, to get in Champions League, that's not going to happen uh, because they need... The nine points behind, and there's only twelve games to go. Um, that's extremely unlikely to happen uh, for them now. And now that the best they can hope for is a Europa League spot, which uh, I think they're probably a couple of places away from that. So their form, has, as you say, has been patchy. The managers leaving. Some players are probably already um, thinking about the the summer break. Honestly, there'll be there'll be there'll be two or three at least. He'll be thinking about summer break or not focused on the you know playing for the manager for the rest of the season because uh, he's off. So it, it's I, I don't know why they've announced it early. Um, mm-hmm. If there's any reason behind that, um, because I, I can't believe it's you know it can, it, it's got to unsettle the players a little bit. Okay, guys, um, we're gonna just take a look at the uh, the scores and the league table as we always do. So um, after our last pod, when we were covering the game um, against uh, Everton, the 3-1 win, so you had Burnley and Fulham uh, drawing 1-1. Next day, we had Wolves beating Leeds 1-0. Then on the Sunday, of course, uh, we had the aforementioned 2-0 loss, uh, Liverpool to Everton. Fulham beat Sheffield United 1-0. A goalless draw between Burnley and West Brom. That must have been a thriller. <laughs> uh, Chelsea Chelsea drop points. Um, the Southampton, you know, who've obviously had a few dispiriting results, let's say, re- recently. 
But uh, that was a, a little bit of a surprise. I'm not sure if it went to the, the level of shock result, but uh, Chelsea away at Southampton, 1-1 draw. And then, of course, we mentioned earlier, Leicester beat Aston Villa, uh, who were up challenging um, several weeks ago, but obviously fallen away now. So Leicester won. Um, West Ham, again, who we have talked about, uh, sticking one over in Jose, uh, 2-1 to West Ham. And... Uh, Obviously, then the Manchester United three-one uh, win. Um, Colin, any of those results um, take your fancy? You'd like to comment on some some interesting ones there? Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, Aston Villa were affected by Grealish's absence. Um, He's out for a while now, I think. And someone said, you know, they're the definition of a one-man team, which I think is a bit unfair. Mm. Um, it looked like a dive from Rashford to win the win a penalty for United. Difficult to say. I didn't really see it properly. I mean, that West Ham result was a good one, uh, but but Mourinho already looks like he's um, looking to get out and get his payoff. Interesting comments from Mourinho after that game, Ray. We have the we train in the best way in the world. Um, very interesting uh, comments from him. Um, wow. As Colin says, I think if I'm right, his, uh, to sack Mourinho and all his team is going to cost Spurs 40 million quid. Yeah. 40 million and quid. And it's Daniel Levy here. <laughs> so it's it's a crazy situation because how much was it for uh, Pochettino? It was 12 million or something. You know what you're getting with, with, with Jose Mourinho? Um, 40 million quid. I mean, you know, he's, he's got a massive payoff from Chelsea. He's done a couple of years at United, got a massive payoff from there. He's at Spurs. Look, he could get fired this season at Spurs. There'll be another Premier League club willing to take a risk on Jose Mourinho. It might be Arsenal. There'll be someone up there who will say, yeah, you know, he's a man for us. He's a dinosaur, if you see the way Spurs are playing now. Um, and he's you know, every two or three seasons, he's going to walk off with 20 or 30 million quid from a Premier League club. And... It's something that we, I think we briefly mentioned about uh, people like Delaney and, and, and having a go at City's finances and, and, and other fans are. The biggest problem with a lot of clubs is they're mismanaged. I mean, how can you have it in, in, in your contract to allow Mourinho and his team to walk away with 40 million quid? If you know, if he gets fired now, yeah, I, and Daniel Levy is supposed to be the master negotiator. The thing is, the, with the COVID issues, Spurs lost. You know, they were getting eight hundred thousand pounds every home game from the restaurants or the eateries at the new new ground. That's not a profit, but <clears throat> excuse me, they're losing a lot of money per game, yeah. two or three million pounds by not having a home game. COVID has wiped out their um, uh, the fans for this season. We've heard today that. Uh, there'll be fans available for the last game of the season, up to 10,000, if your ground holds 40,000, if I'm right. Um, but Spurs have lost a lot of money. And yep. obviously the new stadium, they have to pay for and everything else. Um, they can, I don't think they can afford to get rid of uh, Jose Mourinho at 40 million quid. But this clubs make their own mistakes with some of, some of their transfers. And you look at United fans complaining. Well, United are absolutely milking, you know, the owners are milking that club for dividends, uh, for management charges, for uh, consultancy or, or whatever. Um, and, and then wasting some of the remainder on people like Sanchez and 
Pogba and others. Liverpool have done some some similar stuff. You know, um, they've pushed themselves to the limit. Chelsea, you know, they spent so much money on Dross. And I said this probably last year or the year before. They have a go, and Calvin Mubarak said it's something similar as well. I believe they have a go at City for spending money and everything else, but they don't look at what City have done well in their recruitment. Uh, in in the season that we got Bernardo Silva for forty three million pounds, which looks you know people said that's expensive. We got I think the season before we got Sane for thirty seven million pounds. We're paying Leroy Sane sixty grand a week. Chelsea bought Danny Drinkwater for <laughs> about thirty seven million pounds. They were paying him one hundred and twenty grand a week. Then Danny Drinkwater has gone. He's, you know, he's, I think he's on loan or he's basically he did nothing for Chelsea in a positive fashion, and he's cost them an arm and a leg. They also got a player called was it Baba Yoko, a midfielder, for about thirty nine or forty forty two million quid. Not a patch on Bernardo Silva. They, they're paying him more than they were, than City were paying Bernardo Silva. So you know we've got two players about the same cost. As, as those guys and our players were fantastic and you know we sold uh, Sane on uh, and we made a, a few quid profit as well and you know left uh, Chelsea there with two players who'd done nothing for them and who were costing them well over £200,000 a week for the combined wages where ours were costing us about 120 so yeah. you know it's it's good business it's good so clubs they're blaming City for their own mistakes, for their own inadequacies. And, you know, it's just a laugh. Well, Colin, um, what was interesting about this uh, game, West Ham v Tottenham, is, of course, because West Ham are our opponents after Borussia Mönchengladbach. And the question I have for you, Colin, is how will we, you know, how will we be able to deal with the threat that is Jesse Lingard? That's my question. I mean, James. Well, <laughs> it's a great, it's an object lesson in... Um... Know how sometimes a change is, uh, it can be good for you, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly since we're playing very well, so um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a typical city, old school city fan behavior, isn't it? We're, we're, we're never confident about anything, and um, you know, normally we'd look forward to a game with West Ham at, at home with, with unadulterated joy, but I think everyone's uh, everyone's a bit nervous for this one, but uh. We'll see. Uh, you know, it's one game at a time, isn't it? Yeah, Chelsea dropping points in the game against Southampton. What was nice about that was um, uh, the person who scored for, for Southampton was Minamino, a recently dispatched from uh, Liverpool. I think that's a loan, isn't it? And um, he, he got them off the mark on, on 33 minutes and obviously Mount got a penalty to equalise. Chelsea couldn't capitalise on that at all. Um, looking at the league table, uh, guys, think Things are as they were. Still a 10-point gap between City and uh, that pair of United and Leicester, who are both on uh, 46. Obviously, United have a three-goal difference advantage over Leicester. And then you've got Chelsea into uh, fourth, uh, three points back. West Ham West Ham West West Ham, yeah, sorry, I'm looking at the old table. West Ham now into fourth. Uh, It's looking a bit precarious, um, you would you wouldn't have thought it, but I think Liverpool are going to have a big struggle to get into that fourth place um, position now. Colin, what do you reckon? Uh, yes, I think they are because um, you know we look nailed on. You've got to say, unfortunately, United look nailed on for a top four place. I think Chelsea, you know, jury's still out a little bit, but they're coming on strong. Leicester, um, would you not say they're kind of nailed on for top four? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Leicester, we've seen what happens to them. You know, they blew up when they looked nailed on for top four last season. It's hard to imagine West Ham finishing top four, but who knows what might happen. So, I mean, you know, Liverpool have got to rely on two of those clubs above them slipping up. And, of course, not just that. Below them, they've got, well, Everton level on points with, with the worst goal difference. Game with a game in hand. Uh, Villa and Spurs, I think we can probably write Spurs off. but I, I don't um, think Villa and the, Spurs the, are going to come into it. Well, I don't the, know. The, the interesting what? thing is, I was looking at this, um, Everton, Villa and Spurs have got games to make up and they're all against each other. So Villa have got two games in hand, which are against Spurs and Everton. And I think um, Everton's have got to play. No, no, that's right. No, yeah. Villa have got to play both Spurs and Everton. So if you imagine, let's say, well, Villa play Spurs and Villa win, that takes them up to one point behind Liverpool, and then Villa are playing Everton. So, whoever, whatever the result in that game, Liverpool go down another place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it well, could be that, very, very interesting. I, there, there are certain teams that you would, ha- you would, it would be hard to convince me are going to be in the mix. Let's talk. Let's just let's get let's go through them. So, uh, Arsenal three losses out of the last five. I don't think they're going to be challenging for a top four spot. Spurs, they're, they're, they're four, too far off now. Yeah, 11, 11 points, 12 points. Yeah, I mean, Ray might disagree, but f- like uh, Spurs, four losses out of five. I don't think that they're it's going unlikely. to be. It's unlikely. It's uh, um, unlikely. Very outside chance. I might even go to Aston Villa as well. Obviously, two losses and a draw the last five, but they're on the same points. Well, I, I know that really they've, got a couple, they've got a couple of games in hand. That's true. But I think maybe the battle for fourth goes from West Ham in fourth down to Everton in seventh. I don't know that you can make a strong case for any going below that, Ray. It's probably reasonable. It's probably reasonable, Mike, for a change. You got <laughs> you got it right. Um, I'll tell you one funny thing. You know, before I forget, and you know, there's no chance of it being in the pod, in this two-hour pod. Um, if we, if Liverpool continue their slumping form, they've lost the last four. If they lose the next three games, next three league games, um, and City win their next three games, on the 10th of March, uh, we've got a game against Fulham. If we beat Fulham, and you know, so that's basically City win the next four games, Liverpool lose the next three. Liverpool cannot mathematically retain their title. What a damp squib of a, a defence that's been. And if and this would be just this, this, this just would be um, the, the best. Uh, if on the 10th of March Leipzig can do the something amazing and beat Liverpool, <laughs> on the 10th of March they could be uh, out of the. I, th- I think you're dreaming there, Ray. That, I dream, oh, come on, Colin. Come on, Colin. Look, Colin. Imagine, given, given Liverpool's form at Anfield, yeah. yeah. Uh, Colin, I mean, Leipzig were woeful in that game. Yeah, That's they were horrible. Was, and they gave Liverpool the two goals. Yeah. But, 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 Colin, stranger things have happened. Benteke well, yes. scored. Well, yeah. Benteke scored tonight in the 95th minute to give. Um, Palace will win again away at Brighton. So stranger things have happened. Well, if you look Let at Liverpool's, ask... if you look at Liverpool's next three games, they've got to go to Sheffield United, which you'd imagine they get something out of. It's it's, it's not it's never easy. The but, funny thing about then... Sheffield United, Colin, they play twenty five games. Their goal difference is only minus twenty six. Oh yeah, they're good defensively. Yeah, and I think that actually they'll probably do what Liverpool hate, which is sit back, give yeah. Liverpool the ball. Then they've got Chelsea at Anfield. Now that that could be an absolute killer 
for them if they lose that. Uh, then they've got Fulham at Anfield. Um, so, uh, and Fulham, actually, I was going to say, Fulham are the interesting case at the moment because uh, they looked absolutely doomed along with West Brom and Sheffield United uh, a few weeks ago. But they've put a brilliant run together. They've got uh, two wins and two draws in the last four games. So that's, what, eight points out of a possible 12. And they're now within catching a game of catching Newcastle. Uh, Guys, only four points behind Brighton. Uh, yeah, I've got three final little questions, and I think um, that will kind of do us. Um, first of all, Ray, now we're not going to go before the beginning of the Premier League era, because if we do that, then we kind of... Um, then Colin whatever the quiz is, Colin wins. <laughs> yeah, but incriminate ourselves. I'm, gonna, I'm just talking about the potential worst title defence of the Premier League era. Now, we can't go, we're not going to go back further than 1992 uh, because then did, it, w- did, it would Chelsea be us. Finished, um, Chelsea finished eighth, Leicester finished, I don't know where Leicester finished uh, in 2016 17. Leicester or Chelsea, I'd say. Yeah, so you don't think that Liverpool are going to be in the mix for that, um, that ah. dodgy record? <laughs> Well, um, the season's not over yet, Mike. The season's not over. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think they'll start to turn it around. But look, they've just lost Jordan Henderson. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's they, something I, I didn't even mention. That of course they've they've he's he's that that looks like a some people say a double hamstring injury, Ray. Uh, no, no. I, 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 the thing is, he tried to run it off. Now, if it was a really bad injury. He'd have been off. He, he, he'd have been. He'd have been in, in such pain. So that leads me to think it might not be as. Uh, right. as, as it's not going to be a three-month job. Let's put it that way. Okay. It might be a three-week job, which is still bad because you know who they're going to have. Cavani's got three yellow cards uh, in three games. Um, looks a bit shaky. Um, Nico Williams, you know, Phillips or whatever, who, who are they going to have as centre-backs? And on top of that, who are they going to have in midfield? They're, you know, they're in desperate need of their strikers to do something. Where's, uh, where's James Milner in all of this? James I mean, Milner, I think he's injured. He's played 16 he's games this season. James yeah. Milner's played 16 league games. But they're going to rely on their strikers. And here's the thing. Ilke Gundogan has scored more goals at Anfield than this season than Sadio Mane. Yeah, I think a lot of players have scored more. Than, well, not not, than no, no, not not a lot of players have scored more than uh, Sadio Mane because that means someone that would have had to score two goals, and not many players have gone to Anfield and scored two goals this season and not okay. been a Liverpool player. It's only Gundogan. Okay, Colin, your score prediction for City against Borussia Dortmund, all things considered, in Hungary. What do you reckon? Two 0 Two 0 Ray. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Two 0 Finishing off. Um, for me, um, for this uh, final question, uh, let's go to Ray first. Ray, was there a City man of the match against Arsenal? Um, I think the TV gave it to Diaz. Um, I thought my, my my thought that it was Fernandinho. Yeah, I'll go along with that, Fernandinho. What do you what do you reckon, Colin? Would you conclude? Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't argue with that greatly. Okay. Those are those are all my uh, points, uh, guys. Um, brief little extra time um, session. Is there anything else? Um, is there anything else? I, I'm channeling um, Brad Pitt in 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 Troy here. Is there anyone else? Is there anything else? Um, no. No, you've got nothing. Um, Ray, where I am, it's midnight, so there's nothing else. <laughs> okay, I think we'll we'll tie it off there. I thank you very very much, guys, for contributing to this. 
let's just bid farewell to the boys. So, uh, Ray, thank you very much. You're for uh, Betty Buys now, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Indeed. It's been good to come on. It's good to uh, talk about the game and look forward to the next one. Yeah, and uh, thank you very much, Colin Savage. Yeah, well, I'm going to hit the sack as well. Right, okay. So, um, 7.56 a.m. here in uh, Incheon, South Korea, and I think that'll do us. And we'll hopefully get this up for everybody by the time that you wake up there in the UK um, uh, tomorrow morning for you guys. Okay, so that'll do us, guys. Uh, Thanks very much for uh, listening. Um, And uh, we'll be with you after the game, probably after the game against um, uh, Dortmund. Uh, Sorry, uh, Mönchengladbach, beg your pardon. And so until then, we're just going to finish off in the normal way and uh, say up the blues, guys, up the blues. Have one on us and up the blues.